Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Good morning, everybody. It's 830 here where we are in Phoenix. Um, I'm assuming most of you are back in Ohio where it's 1130. But if you're elsewhere, that's fine, too. Welcome. Thank you for reading, for listening, for cooking in. Uh, We wanted to do this for several reasons, kind of wrap it up. The owners meetings is, you know, not really. I mean, it's an event. It's not a made for TV event or like a a whole lot of drama event. Um, Everybody talks, but, you know, they don't say much. And last year, the Browns were the buzz team. They had turned the NFL on its ear with the Deshaun thing this year. It's much more muted. So, uh, Jason, I think, you know, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, by their standards, were open and in, in kind of talking about the state of things, what they think about the new guys, you know, where they think things are headed. Um, you know, obviously not a lot of, of sizzle there here two weeks in. They have been busy in free agency. Let's talk about the team first. We'll get to the stadium, and I, and I have some meetings thoughts. So just as you uh, kind of prepare for the last day of the meetings here, um, you know, your, your impressions on what we've seen and heard and what we want to kind of throw out there for those who are following along. Um, I think what stood out to me, you know, I'm talking to Jimmy and D yesterday, and, and Jimmy said, yeah, you know, we're all disappointed with last year. We didn't think that was a seven-win team. And he said there is a sense of urgency. This year, he stopped short of saying guys are on the hot seat. He wouldn't go there, but he also wouldn't talk about extensions. He said it's too early for that. Uh, and I, it's, I just, I think I, th- I was, I was impressed with how open Jimmy and D were on a lot of issues. And I know you said we'll get to the stadium part in a minute. They were really open about that. They were open about the Bucks. They were transparent about, yeah, it could be awkward when the Bucks and Cavs they face off in a playoff series. He said I may have to go sit in the suite for that one. Uh, but just in general, um, nothing terribly surprising. They're really high on Elijah Moore, as you would expect they would be. Uh, I think they're very happy with the way that they rebuilt the defensive line. And and Barry it gave you the bone, and you said, you know, you talked about it at the trade deadline. Was there – is that guy now on the roster? You said you almost made a trade at the trade deadline. Is that guy now on the roster? And Andrew laughed and said, yeah, he is, obviously, in reference to Elijah Moore. Yeah. Um... <laughs> you know they're they're not as smart as they think, right? Um, <laughs> on many fronts, no. Uh, yeah, by his standards, he was very open. Look, they should be excited about Elijah Moore. This is a young, talented guy who has some production, who played with awful quarterbacks, um, who is a you know typecast as a slot small receiver, but doesn't have to be that. Uh, and frankly, just has some explosion the Browns were missing. So, you know, my concern there would be just kind of the lack of maturity, the fact that the Jets are all in and this is the guy they were willing to give. But, you know, I think this is a trade that made sense for both teams, right? The Browns had assessed their options. They weren't going to overpay for wide receiver. They always had Elijah Moore atop their options list. They got to the second week of free agency. 
The Jets needed a second-round pick. The Jets decided to take the shot on McCole Hardman that the Browns and other teams didn't, and so it worked. And, you know, the other layer of saying that, and this is where I think Barry and the Podesta in this version of the Browns have been good. They've been good at diagnosing the needs and getting a feel for where they are, right? Like, it hasn't always worked, but they've made aggressive, sensible moves at this time of year, right? You Rarely has there been a major surprise in what they're doing. Again, that's not to talk about the execution. But they looked and they said, at 42, we're not getting the receiver that we want. Five receivers are going in the first round. We don't love this. you know. So why wouldn't we take a guy who just turned 23 yesterday, move down, and then eventually assess our other receivers? And I think it said a lot, too, that they also went for Marquise Goodwin to say this is a part-time player. Look, Kevin Stefanski, guys, and we I've been saying this and we've been writing this for months. He needed a different receiving core, a better, more explosive receiving core. That is not an indictment on Amari Cooper or Donovan Peoples-Jones, who both had good years, and I think both have a chance to have good years again. It was saying, for us to be what we want to be, you have to be better. And so the general assumption, and Jimmy said it, and Kevin said it, and Andrew said it, is that Deshaun's going to be better. And, and that's reasonable. I think everybody can say that. Is he going to be a ton better? How are all the pieces going to fit? We're months away from knowing that because that's not even something we're going to know, obviously, in September. That's for down the road. And that's what counts. One more thing on the on the more, you know, I was talking to some people on the Jets yesterday who said, like, people who cover the Jets who were like, listen, like, there, there was maturity issues, they felt like, in the fact that they're coming off their best win of the season and then this guy's asking for a trade. There was some selfishness involved. I sort of tried to poke around on that. The Browns are not at all concerned about that. Uh, I think it, I think they probably look at it the way you did. Uh, bad fit, played with bad quarterbacks. He was frustrated. But are you at all concerned that he didn't exactly exhibit a team-first mentality coming off a big win against the Packers, and that's when he decides he wants to ask out? Yes, yes, and and that's why the Jets were willing to entertain the trade, partly. Um, the Browns have been really bad at building the locker room part of it, Jason, but they're trying to be better. There's some selfishness. There's some selfishness in that locker room already. Yeah, a lot, and, and there is in every locker room. But I, I think, and, and Kevin has been really open this offseason. He has not addressed this directly, but I, I don't think he would argue with me saying this. Josh Dobbs is back for the locker room. Anthony Walker is back for the locker room, right? They let Bubba go get some guys that we don't, we've never heard of and will never be starters in this league for the locker room. Um, they are requesting with the league to put two of their West Coast trips together. They're not sure it's going to work out because Kevin wants to take the team away for a week for team building for the locker room. So he knows what's going on. Um, and some of those guys aren't going to be here, and some of them are. One of them is your most gifted player who they worry about all the time, his personal agenda, right? Number 95. So yeah. they are they are consciously doing things. To Obviously, they're acquiring talent, and they spent money on Dalvin Tomlinson and Juan Thornhill because they think they needed them. But this the theme, and we're going to continue to watch this, is team building and getting guys on the same page. Because maybe last year it was impossible with what they choose to, chose to do, getting Watson and giving away a year of Chubb and Garrett's prime, right? But this year that's a big, big thing um, in the theme that, that's now and going to continue over the, the coming months. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about the back-to-back West Coast trips. I, I forgot about that. Kevin threw that out at the end. Uh, but, you know, he said he didn't want to do it over Christmas, didn't want to do it over Thanksgiving, even through Halloween in there, which was 
a little surprising unless guys with kids. I, I, I don't know what the big deal right. is. Right, yeah, that's Halloween. what it's about. He doesn't want Joel Batonio away from his kids. He For Halloween's. Yes. So, so, <laughs> um, so that I don't know if they'll be able to pull that off or not, the back-to-back West Coast trips. Uh, but it was interesting how much that they try and work with the league on stuff like that. Now, is the league as cooperative with them? I don't know. Well, I, I think the general rule, unwritten rule, is that you get a couple requests for your schedule, right? And some of them are standard, like your stadium availability, or, hey, we don't want to be away, you know, or we're fine with being away two, three weeks in a row at a time if, if that works out because of this. You know, I think there was a time that uh, the Ravens and Steelers had played like Sunday night so many years in a row that the Ravens finally asked, we don't want to play on yeah. Sunday night in Pittsburgh this year. And we think that's a reasonable request because you've made us do it for the five times. And the league was like, sure, that's a reasonable request. Right. Yeah. And like the, the Steelers, the Eagles, the Bengals, you know, those teams all share parking lots. And so there's all logistics with the baseball teams and all of that stuff. And I think in the past, Bill Belichick has said, hey, when we're going to Denver and to Seattle, we want those games back-to-back, and that's what the Browns are doing. So we yeah, will see how that famous for that, for staying right. out there. When you mentioned uh, Thornhill, I thought it was interesting Barry said they were not really looking to spend big money on a safety, mm-hmm. which I kind of thought all – I mean, you know, why would you cut John Johnson and go add another $15 million safety? That didn't make a lot of sense to me. And he seemed surprised that they got Thornhill at the number they got. Is that a fair read on it? And are you surprised they got Thornhill at the number they got him? Uh, it's still a big number. I mean, I see this as John Johnson reincarnated. But they think he's a more athletic player. They, they, they think he's a more dangerous player. And, you know, with all these guys, with the exception of Tomlinson, who they just had to have, especially when they couldn't get Javon Hargrave, I just feel like it's Jim Schwartz's input. And it has to be. And he says, this is this is what we need. So... You know, my issue with safety is still that I just don't think Grand Delpit is very good unless the ball's right in front of him. And, and yeah, you know, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I, I mean, he was very open in that. He was very open in saying they, they didn't, that wasn't on the top of their list. He was very open in saying they explored some more trades and thought they would be able to be more active trading. I mean, look, they don't, they don't want to use eight picks, right? Like they, they're fine. What, what, what time will tell whether their evaluations are right, but they're basically saying, we don't need a ton from this draft. Or maybe they're saying right. we've been so shitty at the draft, we know we're not going to get a ton. But, you know, two-fourths and two-fifths, especially with what they've done in free agency and bringing in these other guys, I mean, they were willing to move those picks, and he just didn't see that market available. So I think, yeah, I mean, Juan Thornhill was day three. So I think they probably got to the middle of day two. They had Tomlinson. They had Okoronkwo. And they said, wait, Thornhill's still there. So at a more reasonable number. And that's how you do it. I mean, that's what they did with the receiving group. They said, we have interest in these guys, but only at this number. And it got past day three, past day five. And, you know, really there were still six or eight guys there. So they didn't either really didn't either like them at all, or they just weren't going to go to a certain number. So that's a fine way of playing it. So is it, it, this has been a solid uh, start to free agency. And I think when you bring in more, and you hear them talk about Jordan Akins being their number two tight end and, and giving him an element that they say he's better than anybody knows that he is, then I think it's more than solid. But the fact is they have to do this because they've failed so many times in the past. So that's that's my hesitation. Are you chasing your own mistakes with this? And you know, you, look, you have to try to get better. And if Deshaun's not great, the team's not going anywhere. So I think at very least they've done a solid job of uh, – 
you know, surrounding him with better players. Are they, you think they're done? I mean, you know, Ethan Postick turned out to be one of the most important signings the last offseason, and he was, what, week three of free agency? Yeah, he was right before the meeting. He was right around this time. Yes. Is there another marginal move you think they make, or do you think they're done? I think they're done for now. I mean, I know they are, right? They're going on vacation. And the yeah, they are going on vacation. Start, yeah. And the draft visitors start next week when they get back. So, um, yeah, I think they're mostly done. Now, a major shakeup could take place with some rosters here if Lamar was to get traded when Aaron Rodgers gets traded. But, you know, I don't think – I think it's more till the draft. So they'll monitor. Um Sometimes you add, like their program, their offseason program starts April 17th, so about three weeks from now. Sometimes you are, um, you know, looking for guys at positions and that, but that's really the later phases. You're not on the field until the middle of May, back into May. And, th- and that's the other thing this year. The Browns are only going to have six OTAs uh, because of the early start to training camp. So um, really going to be more interesting OTA period than normal because you have to get Watson up to speed and you have guys he's never thrown with. So. They're throwing in Houston. Um, by rule, the Browns are not allowed to really have anything to do with that. But Kevin and Jimmy both said that Deshaun is in Houston. He has guys coming down. You know, that's all generally much ado about nothing, right? We've seen all those yeah, stories yeah. about <laughs> offseason camps. But the core of it is, Jason, you want guys building that chemistry. And for this offense in particular, Deshaun has to trust these guys because Deshaun has to be great. I want to uh, I want to talk about the linebackers, but you mentioned Lamar, and we should probably spend a, a couple minutes on it. The Browns are unapologetic <laughs> about the Deshaun contract and don't care, nor, nor should they, don't care about what it means for Baltimore, Lamar, or anything else. Um, do you think there's? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the question is there, but. Jimmy said, what did Jimmy say yesterday about it? Like, he, they did what they thought was best for the franchise. I said, did that feel like a groundbreaking contract at the time? He's like, listen, we did what we thought we needed to do for our franchise. They don't care about what other problems it causes. Uh, certainly, Baltimore's had plenty of time to sign Lamar. Uh, what do you think just how this has been received? The Lamar news dropping as we were sitting down, as John Harbaugh was pulling out his chair and taking his seat. It was almost like someone in the room told Lamar, okay, now, press send now. Yeah, <laughs> the timing was unbelievable. Yeah, that was certainly a moment here, right? Um, yeah, you, look, look, there is no doubt that this is a factor um, in getting it done because we've we've been told that the Ravens have talked with Lamar and Lamar said five two fifty. All right, and they're like, yeah. okay, how about we structure it like this? And we nope, nope, five two fifty. Now it's not the only factor, right? Um, the Ravens kind of have thought that they had more leverage than they did a few months ago. And so far that's proven to be right for whatever reasons, as mystifying as they are Um, in some ways, the Ravens missed the boat by not doing it earlier and just doing it. So go ahead. Yeah. No, I think the full guarantee thing is, is, um, sorry, I'm going to, you can press mute. (laughs) You can press mute Jason while I'm talking. There's a mute button. Oh yeah. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. All right. I'll press mute next time. Sorry. Um, there's a, um, there's some blame on both sides here, right? Lamar having an agent might've made this a much smoother process done a while ago. The Ravens being more aggressive could have had this done before the Browns ever did this. And with the full guarantee thing, um, Burrow and Herbert aren't going to get that either because it, it doesn't have to be for it to be in reality, fully guaranteed, right? Like 
Josh Allen's deal is fully guaranteed, even though it doesn't say that on paper. The Bills are not moving off of him, right? right. Pat Mahomes, like all, all of these guys. So it is interesting um, to me. And, and Lamar still could pop up uh, on the Browns' schedule with the Colts. But obviously, if the Ravens lose him and have to make a pivot in the way they've done things, and frankly, you know, they've been so solid for so long and they've kind of failed at the offensive skill positions over the last few years with Lamar. Um, yeah, I think the Browns could pass them. Now, is everybody still chasing the Bengals? Yes, right? Yes. But this this is, this does feel like an opportunity, potentially, to where the Ravens could could take a step back and, and the Browns could kind of jump up into that next spot. And, and, and the, the fight for – forget the division, even though we won it. And, and before we talk about the stadium, let's just say it's time for the Browns to host – a playoff game in this stadium. Absolutely. Um, the, the fight for the seven in the AFC, man, you got to be really good. You got to be really lucky. Um, you got to have a lot of things go your way and it's going to be a war uh, over four months. I want to get to the stadium real quick on linebackers. Is linebacker the weakest spot on this team right now? Cause I kind of feel like it is. I feel like the defensive line has been addressed to where I think you would at least feel comfortable about it. Certainly it should be improved over last year. It can't be any worse than last year. Running it back with these linebackers though, they kind of feel like everyone was hurt, giving them a pass. Uh, I'm not so sure. I would feel more comfortable if they had probably an upgraded linebacker, but nobody's no team is perfect. Is linebacker the weakest spot on this team, or am I missing something? Yeah, it probably is. Um, and in a way, that's fine, because it's a lot better than defensive tackle being the yes, weakest spot on your team. Yeah. Um, I would say that the front seven remains in flux because they are still going to be both in the draft and in the later waves of free agency looking for guys there. And, you know, just scanning the questions um, and, and go to this, I would say this, Jason, like if Watson's good, you know, the Browns are, are playoff quality. And then if other things go their way, um, you know, then, then they are in that mix. So they have to be right on things. If Watson's good and Conklin's healthy and Jim Schwartz cleans up a lot of the really silly reoccurring errors, then all of a sudden, why couldn't this win, this team win 10, 11 games? Now, I, I don't think the roster's great, but great quarterback play makes up for that. You know, yeah. having the lead and having Miles uh, feast on opposing quarterbacks and putting games away makes up for that. You know, so many games are all, they're always going to come to the wire. And you can make the case that the Browns had bad luck in the last few minutes last year in multiple games, but they also had bad play to get them there and not put them away when they had their opportunities. So, I'm still not a huge fan of this roster, but I do see the path to this team being a little bit better. Then you got get the kind of team building Kevin wants. Then you get the kind of upgraded quarterback play and the variety of weapons and the better fundamentals on defense and actually making your field goals. Now, now maybe you can chase down the Bengals. I don't, I don't see it's out of the realm of possibility. On this stadium issue, I think yesterday was the first time where they actually convinced me they're serious about trying to renovate this thing, which surprises me because I think the stadium is a piece of crap and I, I think it is unsalvageable and they need to go somewhere else and build something else. And See, we differ on actually, this. <laughs> we I, we I differ on this because, well, I, I'm not going to argue that part. And in comparison, especially when you go to Minnesota, right, the way they did two, two seasons ago and see what they got. But I don't know what the other plan was. And anybody who's tweeting and saying build a dome like over top of the existing stadium, it's just not, it's, this is the real world. This is not fantasy world. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know where the land, I mean, where are you going to go in Cleveland and build a new stadium? My thing has always been go to 480 and 77, go out by top golf 
and build whatever you want and build this entire mixed use thing. But Jimmy said something yesterday that maybe this is out there before, but this sort of triggered my flag. He basically wants to bring that there. So he, he mentioned mixed use and, and some yeah. retail and, and living. And he's, he's adamant about connecting the waterfront to downtown. And they're serious about this in terms of moving the highway, moving route two. I asked him about moving Burke. And he said, that's probably more phase two down the line. Uh, but they, they are serious about, and it, it's not going to be a dome. And basically, you know, he kind of was joking, but he was serious in terms of funding. Like he, he is not interested in going the Stan Cranky model and building it himself. He's got the money for it, but he's not interested in building it himself. Arthur Blank put up half the money for Atlanta's new stadium. Uh, I don't think he wants to invest that much. And and that's why that you're that you're in this position. There's not going to be a dome in Cleveland like that. I, that was the one thing I took away from yesterday more than anything in terms of stadium. There is not going to be a dome in Cleveland like in the next 50 years. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think and I understand fans are disappointed with that um, because what you just said, Arthur Bank, Blank's place is a palace. We were there. Right. Yeah. He's going to host yeah. the final four, the World Cup, WrestleMania, Super Bowl. Cleveland's not. You know, they're just not. So I understand the angst, but I think the reality is, look, the stadium situation is one of the things that's not the fault of Brown's ownership, right? It was rushed back. It was built at the time when stadiums were built a certain way. And even the ones three to five years later are so much nicer than the Browns. So do I trust that they've done their research and that they will do a good job? Yes, but I'm not surprised by that being the most likely outcome because I just don't know realistically where you can go. The mixed use thing the develop, that that is a part of it. Um, I've told the story on here a couple of times. When you leave New England Stadium, guys, you stand in front of a Pet Supplies Plus and wait for your Uber. Like they yeah. built a whole plaza, a whole set of hotels, shopping, movie theater, whatever else around that. Um, I don't hate your idea about where Top Golf is at 480 and 77, where there's already some stuff and it seems like there's some land. You know, I, I don't know enough to know have they explored that. Is that really realistic in terms of traffic and real life and all of that? I don't know. Um, if you're building an outdoor or renovating an outdoor football stadium, it's still only going to get used 20 sometimes a year. And that's the frustrating yeah. part. But you're right in that if you rank the Brown State, the stadiums in the NFL right now, uh, it's not in the bottom two, but it is in the bottom six. And each year that passes and the Bills get their new one in three years, then they get, you know, it. They, they need a better stadium. They know that. Um, and, and we'll see what happens. And I also wonder how many, like, luxury boxes is where they make their money back on these things, right? Like, and the brown suites are not, I mean, they're, they're, they're very plain and ordinary. Is that fair? And, and I don't know if there's as many of them as there are in some of these newer ones. I, I, I don't know. It's a moot point. They're not building a new one. Jimmy, Jimmy made clear he doesn't want to put the money up in terms of what it would, like, on his end, what it would cost on ownership side. And, you know, I've written about this at length and how stadium deals have become very much if you want to go build it yourself. And these guys are on the hook for 50 percent or more of it. Cranky built the whole thing himself in Inglewood. Um, and, and Jimmy just was not interested in that. This was the message that I got yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think interested means that they've they've looked at all. I mean, don't you think if if it was more feasible that Jimmy would do the fanciest, shiniest but if you're talking from a financial standpoint, then I agree. <laughs> um, 
yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a tough one. Uh, it's not going to please everybody. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to keep covering it. So, have um, you? Uh, I was just trying to look through the comments. Is there anything in the comments that we should address? Uh, I've been looking. I think we've talked about most of it. It's okay. It's not really, um, you know. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. If, so. Uh, what? It just occurred to me, if if uh, if Deshaun said build a dome, you think he'd build a dome? Deshaun (laughs) said, "I'll I'll I'll end my career here if you build me a dome." I knew what the answer. I knew what the answer was going to be, but I thought it was a fair question to say. Was your part? Were you willing to be so aggressive with Watson because you knew he was matching up with the stadium time? I think that's a fair question. You know, it's, it's not an outrageous one by any means, right? So, um. I look forward to when, when Browns fans can get back to having Steelers and Ravens as their rivals instead of the local reporters. That would be a big step in the progress. <laughs> so we'll see. Just my last thoughts on the meeting, and then if you have any last thoughts you want to talk about this. So, guys, it's always held at one of these fancy resorts. I mean, the NFL owners aren't coming to one of the hotels at 480 and 77, as we mentioned, <laughs> right? Um, it's different layouts at different places. It's high security. It's high class, high dollar, everything. This one in particular here in Arizona um, – is a super, super fancy, but it kind of works out in that the convention center is attached to the hotel. So there's one hotel lobby. There's one hallway to the main things. And you kind of see in, in catch up with a lot of people, right? Even outside of the formal stuff. And one thing you and I always get a kick out of is the, the new coaches, the new GMs, the new people who've been promoted in their various organizations and roles and come here and you see the glow, right? Of like, yeah. I, can't, I mean, this is an incredible event. Right. And again, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here at all. Uh, I'm not saying Kevin's walking around um, with a frown on his face, but they know what's at stake here. Kevin and AB know that if they miss the playoffs for a third straight year, it's not going to go well. And again, I, I thought those were fair questions to Jimmy and I knew what his answers would be, but he handled them well. The Browns want to yeah. succeed. They think they're built to succeed. They're basically all in. Right. They have been for 54 weeks now since the Watson trade. But you and I just talked about it casually running into people, Jonathan Gannon, the Clevelander, who's here for the first time, just kind of seeing the vibe now that this is, feels more back to normal after this didn't happen for two years. And the reality is the Browns have to win. The Browns have to make the playoffs this year or there's going to be big changes. And so you hear Jimmy Haslam, you hear Kevin Stefanski say there's always urgency. We always treat with a sense of urgency. We always want to win first and foremost. Yes, but let's not run from the truth this year, guys. Um, the Browns win or there's big changes ahead. And my last take or my last lasting thought on this is NFL head coaches love to drink. And uh, I'm, I won't use names, but. Well, it's a shame that you broke up while you're saying that. <laughs> Whatever it was that you're saying. I saw coaches exchange, but they thought it like just hammered, hammered out of their minds lobby that were exchanging jackets that were not even close to the same size just to see what they would look like in each other's coats and just <laughs> hammered out of their minds. Uh, it was hilarious. Yeah. And uh, I, I won't use names of who it was, but they, they like to get after it at this thing. And it was, it was, and it's the one event where, you know, I covered the NBA for a long time and the NBA, I think throughout the year is more open and accessible than the NFL is. But nothing in sports is anything like what this event is, where they swing the gates wide open and they let us peasants in with the owners and the GMs and the head coaches. 
and everybody is friends with everybody. You can go talk to anybody. Uh, I was talking to one beat writer who said his coach was so hammered, he introduced his wife and his kids to him three times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's fun. It was quite a sight last night. Yeah, so um, again, the the Browns will take basically the rest of this week off. Um, The final draft prep, the draft is four weeks away. The final draft ramp up and the visitors will start next week. Uh, the off-season program starts the 17th. The draft at the end of April, the schedule release, probably 10 to 14 days after that. We're officially waiting on that. So not a super busy time, but an exciting time. The draft still matters, and we'll see how that goes. So thank you guys for reading and listening. Uh, we'll have stuff from our conversations with the Haslam's, our observations, going on the site over the next couple of days. We wanted to do this now um, you know, before we head home over the next 12 to 24 hours. And uh, we'll keep you updated. So appreciate you guys being around. And um, we'll see. Listen, we want to cover a relevant, successful team. You know, we want normalcy from the Browns. Um, They've made a big investment into Sean Watson. And good's not going to be good enough. He has to be great. So starting in September, we'll see if he can still be great. Thanks for listening.